Hi, my name's Tony and welcome to Bigger Than Hollywood. Hi, my name's Tony and welcome to episode 22 of Bigger Than Hollywood, a podcast about the business of independent video game development and all of the craziness and shenanigans that that entails. Ant Workshop, my company, is 41 weeks old this week, which is a lot of weeks. I say this every every episode now, that is a lot of weeks and it is a lot of weeks. So, yes, that is why I say it. Uh, it certainly seems to be racing ahead now that the podcast has switched to being a fortnightly affair. Um, I mentioned that at the start of the last episode, basically. I don't really feel like I have enough to do, like to talk about every single week. And it also means that I think it will kind of raise the quality and it means that I don't absolutely dread sitting down and having to try and think of stuff to say for 30 odd minutes about the business of independent video games. So yes, the podcast, if you didn't catch it last week, uh, well, last fortnight, last episode, whatever, if you didn't catch it then, uh, shame on you, you should go back and listen to it anyway, but uh, also I told you at that point that it is fortnightly now, which I've just told you again. So, to summarise, it is fortnightly still. What has been going on this week, eh? And not just sitting deliberating about podcasts and that kind of thing, that's for sure. Uh, a big, So a big thing uh, company-wise that happened is I decided to submit for the IGF, the Independent Game Festival. Um, it's I say it's a big thing. You like we've not been it's not been the game's not been nominated or anything. Literally just submitting was quite a big decision to take. Uh as usual for me, I left it right up until literally the last day for the submission and finally decided, actually, you know what? I've got other work to do, but you know what will be a brilliant procrastination technique? Submitting for the IGF. So that is what I did. Because Let's face it, you can get me to do almost anything if you phrase it in the right way as a procrastination uh, method away from getting away from the actual work that I really need to be doing but don't particularly want to be doing. Um, so yeah, I, I ummed and ad a long time about submitting for the IGF. This is, I mean, this is, again, this is kind of my way. I, I know this about myself that... A lot of these, like a lot of awards and a lot of uh, things that you could submit to, shows and um, all of this kind of thing and like courses. Um, I spend a lot of time kind of looking at it and thinking, well, I could, I could submit, but I'm not sure that I what I'm doing is what they want. Like I sort of looking at Tilly Orangey or binaries as I like to sit in corner. I'm not sure actually whether I've ever mentioned on the podcast before. I know I've mentioned that I was changing the name. I'm not sure whether I've ever mentioned what I'm changing the name to. But uh, so aside, Tilly and Orangey is called Binaries now. Well, it is now, but 
shh, shh, don't tell anyone because it's kind of not official. There's a website raring to go. There's a new logo. It's all very exciting. I'm basically, this is another bit of work that I've been kind of desperately hammering away at is uh, building a new kind of brand for the game and a new identity and building a website and kind of trying to push all of that along and um, really get it to a point where I'd feel happy kind of announcing to people, okay, here's this new, uh, the new name for the game, and but at the same time to make sure that everything to back up that is there. So, for example, like the website and having... Um, good screenshots and having really it's like a trailer as well is a big thing that it doesn't have at the moment and I'm kind of scratching my head about the whole trailer side of things um it, I'm really with a lot of things I sit there and I think to myself like even if stuff is if I'm not entirely sure like I've got so I'll sit with a website and I'll kind of have in my head okay this is what I want the new website for binaries to look like uh, this is where I want the logo to go. This is where I want there to be like some exciting text just kind of giving you the flavour of the game. This is where I want a trailer to be. This is where I want the mailing list sign up. This The screenshots, the features list, blah, 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 blah. Like, and I can quite quickly get all of that stuff into a hole where I'm happy with it. And even like with the logo stuff, the logo came together really, really quickly. Um but the the trailer for the game is just really I'm finding it very elusive. Um, I I can't I can't work out really what the message is that I want to get across in the trailer. Um, without kind of I have a, a slight sort of feeling that well it it is going to spoil the sort of twist the uh, level four twist or whatever it is that which to be fair it happens really quickly in the game. Um, so it's probably doesn't even classify as a twist. It's no M. Night Shyamalan kind of affair. But the idea that they can cross over and that they don't get hurt by each other's uh, hazards is a thing that the game kind of builds to. And it builds to it really quickly, but it's still, it's not right at the start of the game. That is not something that you necessarily know. And watching people play the game that have never played it before and that know literally nothing about it, it's actually kind of cool to watch them hit on that tutorial level and suddenly twig what is going on. Um, but I kind of feel like that that, that colour interplay between the two characters and the hazards and stuff like that is a big enough selling point of the game that I need to actually, like, I, I probably need to show that in the trailer. Um, but also there's the stuff like, because I think it's a funny game. Like I've, I've really tried to bring a lot of humour into it. I've so and I've been reiterating that on the website. Though, like the website's very um, informal speaking and has a lot of jokes in it. Like, and I, so I'll go off on another tangent here. But I always feel really uncomfortable talking about my own jokes as being actual jokes because there's some things that I write where I think it's funny um, and no one laughs. I'm, I'm sure you don't laugh when you're listening to this podcast like I laugh when I'm recording it. But yeah, so there's some stuff that I write where it's like no one laughs and then there's some other stuff that I write that I don't think is good that other people are going, 
have said like, oh, well, it made me laugh. And it's like, okay, I don't know. Are there jokes in Tilly and Orangey? Yes, there is the intention. Tilly and Orangey? It's not called Tilly and Orangey. It's called binaries. I'm going to have to get that sorted out, eh? There's the intention there that there are jokes in it. And I, I'm pretty sure it's funny, at least to a bunch of people. So I've tried to get that across in the website. I think, again, the trailer will need to try and get that across. There, It's like, it's pretty, like, a lot the... The visual style of the game is really kind of poor-faced. It does have, like this, 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 like this kind of side to it where it's all joking and, like, I always think of it as like a lot of the jokes are the game is, kind of, taking the Mickey out of the player as they're playing it and kind of, um, jibing you for for not being very good at the game and that sort of thing. But like, really, not like punishingly, not like, saying, ah, you're rubbish, boo. Boo, get away, stop playing. But, like, just these kind of uh, gentle, like, like on one of the levels, if you keep dying on the first level that Spikes were introduced, um, it, like, the text on the level will change to kind of say to you, stop, stop dying, why are you dying? Stop, just stop it, just behave. Um, and there's just stuff like that. So I've always kind of had in my head that it's a funny game, so I need to get, yeah, so I need to get that across in the trailer. Um, but I'm yeah I'm really not sure. I'm am ju just not sure how to play the trailer and kind of what things I should show. Like at the moment I'm kind of thinking like I don't know it might even just be a cut of a like a whole bunch of bits of gameplay and then maybe like going to the end of like a super cut of them dying a lot and then um, the end like then they get to the end and it goes way bing and it. it goes away and then it comes back down to the logo or something maybe i don't know actually i should write that down i don't i don't mind the sound of that that's just this is why this podcast is brilliant for me because i sit here and i will sit and i'll go oh i don't know what i'm doing for the trailer and then i'll sit and just run my mouth off for however long it takes into a microphone a bunch of imaginary people who've long ago stopped listening, but it doesn't matter because I'm sat here with my headphones on and I'm listening to myself, so I know what I'm saying, even if nobody else cares or does. Um, and things like that come up. And I guess that's... I don't know. I've talked before about like how I... Uh, when I go running, I've, I've often kind of want to, want to run with a dictaphone a little bit because I'll run and... Uh, stuff will go through my head as I'm running and I'll be kind of chatting away to myself in my head. Is that weird? I chat, like literally chatting away to myself in my head and thinking up things and having these little conversations and uh, working out kind of jokes or like bits of phrasing for things. Um, and I'll kind of do that and I'll be running for an hour or something and then I'll get back home and I'll be like, yay, brilliant. I know that I thought of a lot of stuff. Oh, and but then it's all it's all gone. It's just poof, out your head, and it's like oh no. Um, so I kind of yeah. Oftentimes I've sort of felt like I need probably need a dictaphone, but when I'm running. But this podcast apparently fulfills a very similar need. So there we go. Maybe I sh maybe I should do it more often after all. Poof, who knows? Uh, no, definitely not going to do it more often again. Anyway, so yeah, I've been, uh, the trailer, apparently I now have an idea for a trailer for the game. Great, woo! Um, 
but I need to put that together. Then I really need to get the guy that's doing my audio stuff. I'll need to basically hope that he can at least uh, slap some audio over the top of it to get a trailer together in kind of quick short time. And then, yeah, because I'm sort of, the idea is that at the point where I go live and say, look, this has got a new name, all of the supporting materials will be there so I can kind of hammer it and hopefully, like, any press interest, because what I don't want to do is kind of go, oh, look, it's got a new name, and people go, oh, that's interesting, and then they maybe visit the website, but there's nothing on the website to kind of... Uh, keep them coming back basically i mean it's that it's it's that thing in the in your free-to-play games and stuff like that it's like look if they come and visit your website once and go oh that's cool oh but there's nothing that i can do now to kind of have this game remind me of itself in the future then you've kind of you've missed that opportunity you've lost that you've messed that up um and you really want to have at that point like even the mailing list sign up the mailing list sign ups kind of work a little bit like so i've had the mailing list on tilly and orangey for a while and it's kind of had this steady trickling like steadily increasing number of people signing up to it um which is kind of cool but yeah i really feel like um the ideal for me at that like would be to have a green light vote for us on green light banner on the website at that point or um even a pre-order on Humble Store or whatever, just that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's wanting, like, there's a, quite a big focus is to get all of that in line. But then at the same time, I'm developing the game and at the same time doing client work. But anyway, this all got started because I was chatting about the IGF submission. Yeah, so I kind of um and a lot about, like, okay, is... Is this, is binaries sort of something that the IGF are interested in? Like, uh, you look at a lot of indie games and it's like, mm, I don't know, they're quite, um, they're very indie, a lot of the IGF stuff. And I don't mean that in a bad way, just there's some absolute, like, there's incredible stuff that people are doing. But I, I worry that people would look at binaries and see it more as a commercial venture and less of, like, Less as like a really weird indie thing, um, which probably it shouldn't. I mean, there's not many games out there that use just two colours for pretty much everything. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe it's indie enough. We'll see. So, yeah, I, I undernared about it for ages. And then eventually I just kind of thought, you know what? No, I am going to submit to it because literally what's the worst that has happened? The, the worst that will happen is that I'll have spent um 50 no it's not 50 dollars 90 dollars whatever it is on submission and i'll i'll hopefully get some feedback out of it that they'll say we we rejected it for the following reasons or i don't know it'll get a bunch of other people that i've literally never met before in my life will play it oh that's the idea i mean i think i'm pretty sure that they get people like people um, play all of the submissions before the shortlisting stuff. So hopefully at that point, yeah, a bunch of people will play it, and that would be nice. Maybe I'll get some feedback out of that. Maybe I won't. Maybe it's just one of the jurors will get in touch and say, cool game, man. Or maybe it's the one. I don't know. But it is, it's a thing that I have to fight 
about myself a lot is, and I, I can't remember whether I've mentioned this before, but like the idea that I, I feel like I'm not what people are looking for for any particular awards or stuff like that. And just that, like, that you have to push yourself to kind of go, you know what, just do the submission and let them worry about what it is that they're looking for. It's an indie game. They're looking for indie games. Whatever. Do it. Get it done. Get it out of the way. And we'll see what happens. And, right, the next thing that I say is going to sound very different because I really need to go and get a drink of water because I've got quite a cold and... a I will be back momentarily. I am back again and hopefully I sound less wheezy and coughing and stuff like that now. Wait, they're the names of Pokemon. Oh my word, I've just realised why those Pokemon are called what they're called. Um, so the other thing uh, that I thought I would talk about today is um, it's quite a big bit of news has happened in the games industry today, literally today. So this is this is remarkably topical. Um, Activision Blizzard have bought King, the uh, mobile and Facebook free-to-play merchants. Um, and someone said, can you talk about this and talk about kind of how people are reacting to it all? And I think I do think it's really interesting. So I can't... I've got to be really careful. I used to work for Activision and I can't remember exactly what I signed when they made me redundant. I'm pretty sure that there's like some kind of non-disparagement stuff in there. So I legally definitely won't say anything mean about Activision ever. And you can quote me on that. But yes, I think it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I do think and I genuinely think um, Bobby Kotick is a very smart businessman because when he took over Activision, it was in pretty dire straits. And under his stewardship, it is now this absolute behemoth and a powerhouse. No matter what you feel about Activision's um, reliance on kind of temple gaming. So like every year they kind of release a Call of Duty and a Skylanders now. And like then they've got World of Warcraft as a temple in the... Um, blizzard side of things and hearthstone and blizzard and all of that kind of stuff and like they've always been had this kind of thing of uh we do these temples and we build them and every like what we'll do is we'll do yearly releases of these temple things because that is what we know that people like people who enjoy call of duty want to play a new call of duty every year and whether people mourn and complain about that in the general gamer circles of things those games sell like hot cakes every single year so there's obviously still a lot of people are really interested in them and i think so i think under uh, bobby Kotick's stewardship like activision has flourished like really flourished and so i kind of feel like when people are talking about this deal and they're like okay well that's a lot of money for king and it's uh, overvalued the shares for like King's the current share price and it's re really valued the company very high and uh, King have only got Candy like they've really struggled to ever replicate the success of Candy Crush with any of their subsequent games and all of this sort of stuff and is it going to be another Zynga blah 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 um, I kind of feel like 
I would always tend to give Activision a bit of the benefit of the doubt because these they they're privy to a lot more information than most than well than anyone commentating on this deal is aware of and they know what why they bought that and what they're going for and what their goals are in that and i find this really kind of interesting in terms of um the sort of backseat business side of like business analyst side of things um and maybe it's people just people that i follow on twitter but this kind of backseat business guru stuff is huge now like everyone loves to feel like they they know what is going on in the in the games industry and they they're pointing to trends left right and center and they know where the future is and they know what's going to happen and what's going to be good business and what's going to be bad business and where people are going to go and i do this i have i mean i will happily stand up on stage and say to people vr is it's going to be it's not going to work out there's too many indies diving on the vr bandwagon there aren't going to be enough people like enough actual customers buying vr to um support the number of indies that are developed like that are kind of putting their whole studio's futures on vr um and uh the apple tv uh, apple will make money off of it i'm not sure whether any developers will we'll find out uh aside another aside binaries i saw i bought an apple tv for the company because i actually it's occurred to me that binaries is something that will probably work really really well on an apple tv so look out for that at some point in the future probably coming to an apple tv near you eventually um but yeah so there's like a lot of this kind of stuff and um there's things like Steam Spy is has been like a real facilitator of this kind of thing. Like people love to dig through the numbers of what different games are doing on Steam Spy and dig through sales data and kind of go, oh well, this didn't do this, or obviously uh, in the future this is a good idea, or oh no, you shouldn't do that because oh look, there is a trend of second games that indie like. Uh, published established indie developers their subsequent games if we look at a handful of the six games from published indie developers um the the follow-up games haven't done as well so obviously there's an indie apocalypse going on like if even the established people can't get an audience then what hope does everyone else have ah oh no um and it's i kind of feel like a lot of it is that so some of it is, I think, the source of the data is inaccurate. Like the Steam Spy guy himself, uh, is it Sergey something or that? I can't remember. Um, even he says, like, look, a lot of Steam Spy isn't that accurate. If you're digging down to accurate numbers, um, the the figures that it's giving you are not going to be that good for you. You've got to look at it in really broad strokes. Um, but also, like, I think a lot of people read data wrong or, like, or go to data with conclusions that they've got in their heads um, and they're looking for data that supports those conclusions. And I think, yeah, and, and it's, I think it's easy to see. So for, as, a, as an example of all of this, um, one of, I've seen things where people have said, 
based off of Steam Spy data, uh, Mike Bithell's volume uh, has not uh, has been a, has been a flop. Basically, it's not done the numbers. It's not been this massive seller. Mike Bithell himself says that volume is outselling Thomas Was Alone at the same point in its life cycle. So Thomas Was Alone is viewed as this big indie hit, like this massive um, try and repeat this kind of thing hit. Volume, second album, oh dear, it's not done anywhere near as good. Except, according to the person that has literally sat there with the sales data of both of those games, it has done better. So it is a more successful game um so what's like what is going on there what is why do people want to i, I don't know if it's like this kind of naysaying doomsday like it's it feels like people like <clears throat> people maybe want to be pessimistic about stuff a little bit more and want to kind of rag on stuff a little bit more is there a thing where existing indies are wanting to almost try and shut the door behind them or not wanting to shut the door behind them but are wanting to feel like if the door was shut behind them that would be better like that would be more in their interests or i don't know i think there's i think it's a weird kind of situation Maybe it's like an echo chamber of specifically like because I follow a lot of other indies on Twitter. So maybe it's an echo chamber of that all of these people are talking about the same sort of things. But I, yeah, I, do, I feel like um, there's, there's just this whole kind of thing of backseat business analysts. And it's kind of like, look, there are a lot of people who are undoubtedly taking big risks in the games industry and don't really know what they're doing and they're just kind of diving into it feet first and what have you and yeah i mean maybe it's nice maybe it's in their benefit for you to point out to them these things i'm not necessarily sure that it is i'm not necessarily sure that any particular person has ever turned around and gone oh well uh rami did a talk where he said that um it's really tough for people coming into indie games at the moment, so I'll not go into indie games now. I'd like I'm I don't know. Maybe people have said that. I strongly doubt it. I like I think the best that you can do is kind of point out to people like, look, okay, these are some things that you might not have thought about, and kind of this is so that's a, almost entirely the point of this podcast. Really, is that there was a bunch of things when I was setting up where I was like. Oh, uh, indemnity insurance. Oh, um, legal structures for your business. Oh, uh, payroll in the UK. Oh, uh, bank accounts. Like, just loads of bits and pieces where I'm like, I have got no idea. And I really have no idea where to start looking at those things. And I was looking around and it's like, I really wish someone had just sort of at the point where they were doing all of these things had talked about it and kind of talked through why they were doing them. Um, Cause then it would at least have given me like a kind of jumping off point into where I should start looking. Um, and I think that's probably the best that you can do to people is kind of say it like Ram. So Rami did a fantastic talk 
uh, fairly recently that was like, and the the structure of it was kind of terrible, and the overall message, like it was one of those kind of provocatively titled things that he does so well. Of like, oh, I, you're if you're just making games now, you're going to fail. And but the underlying message was basically he was like, look, there's there's so many things that you don't know about until you release a game. There are so many things you don't know about that are going to trip you up and that are going to slow you down and that are going to be problems and mistakes that you'll make. But you don't know that those things are there until you have a go and do them. Um, and so, like, during this talk, like, he was pointing out, like, a bunch, like, loads of little bits and pieces of, like, oh, do you have, I don't know, do you have a press kit for your game? Oh, do you have, like, what's the, what's your elevator pitch for your game? Um, what's the, like, what's the budget for your game? Like, how many of your game do you need to sell and at what cost in order to break even and stuff like this? And it's things like that where people don't, I agree, people don't necessarily sit and think about them properly but at the same time i don't think to i don't i genuinely don't think you can turn around to someone else's business and go well that's a terrible what they're doing there that was that is going to be a terrible mistake they have just made a terrible mistake i think the best you can do is kind of go well i wouldn't have done that but at the same time i'm not them i don't have their resources <laughs> i don't i genuinely don't have the knowledge or information that those people have that led them to make that decision literally i think the only bad kind of the only genuinely bad decision you can make is if you pretty much just do something at random like if you haven't if you've at least sat and thought about why you're going to do a thing or not do a thing then at least you've got some reasons in your head. And those reasons might be based on false data or they might be uh, heavily wrongly skewed by your own personal biases or by news items that you've seen or any of these kind of things. But you've sat down and you've thought about it and that at least means that there's been some consideration in it. And then if you ever have to sit down and think about that thing again in the future, you've you'll probably come at it from a different direction or you'll have some more information there. I think literally the only bad thing is just to kind of go, yeah, I'm I'm just going to do things or not do things literally without thinking about them at all. Uh, so, yeah, so that kind of, got, kind of got quite off topic there. But um, backseat business people, I don't know. But like I say, I do it. I I am I'm part of a mailing list on pocketgamer.biz of their um, mobile, I can't remember, mobile mavens, something like that. And every now and again you get an email around kind of going, oh, here's a hot topic subject, what do you think about this? And a whole bunch of different people email and have a little chat about it and then it gets published in an article. And I don't know whether they're popular and I don't know how many people actually read the articles. Certainly no one has ever mentioned them to me since I've been appearing in them. But I kind of think, I don't know, it's nice. It feels nice to uh, spend a little bit of time thinking about these things and thinking through. So, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why people enjoy doing this kind of backseat stuff, because then they have, they're not in the position of, they'll never be in the position of spending $6 billion on King. So... It's kind of an interesting thought exercise to them to sit there and go, well, if I was in that position, 
would I do that? Um, and but I, d- I doubt that they that then that then gives them any kind of insight into their own business or company. Like I'm not going to sit there and go, well, I don't know. I think that Activision probably did it to get a, a King's half a billion casual users that Activision have a real difficulty getting uh, attracting or uh, addressing. Um, so you know, they, they, it's it's essentially just really expensive user acquisition. Um, but how does that translate to my business? Like, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, how does that translate to our workshop? Oh, well, I could maybe uh, buy some a much smaller number of users for ten dollars a head. No, anyway, I think I've talked long enough, and also my throat is killing me. So I am going to probably start wrapping this up. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and tune in. I should just record this bit, really. You know how the bit before the jingle is recorded? Spoilers, if you haven't noticed. The bit before the jingle is pre-recorded and is exactly the same every single time. I should just record this bit. Uh, You can listen on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and tune in. Please, please, please uh, review or like or follow or star or retweet or just whatever. If if you whatever platform you listen on, it will have a button where you can go. This thing that I'm listening to is good in somewhere, and I want to let other people know that it is good in somewhere. So just please, please press it. Please press that button. Please, please. Um. <clears throat> that's irritating isn't it you can get in touch at freakyzoid on twitter or at ant workshop or one word on twitter follow ant workshop you should follow ant workshop because very soon there's going to be some exciting uh binaries based stuff and websites and all kinds of nonsense going on uh or you can email podcast at ant-workshop.com and yeah if you've got any thoughts on if you have any thoughts on anything just send me an email whatever um doesn't even have to be about games just just getting email is nice basically is what i'm saying uh so send me some please right i'm gonna go now my throat uh see you in two weeks i'll speak to you in two weeks time who knows maybe binaries will be officially announced by then that'll be exciting won't it yes Bye.